0: How many of you ever have a checklist <clears throat> you, you may have? You know, you're going on vacation. You're going to drive your car 2,000 miles to a coast from here. You would be intelligent to have a checklist, to check your tires, your coolant, uh, those things to make sure your your battery was in good shape. Uh, whether you have a literal, I have a literal uh, checklist day to day, but you you may not have one of those, but you probably have one here where you're checking and keeping up with what's going on and how you're doing and what you should be doing. That's intelligent. That allows you to progress effectively and to move forward and to, to cover your bases. Well, this evening in Second Corinthians, chapter one, we're going to look at a people problem checklist. We're going to look at some things. Some principles God lays out as we deal with people. Paul had problems with people. We started last Sunday night a series out of the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians is a a great book. Some people say it's Paul's most personal. It's kind of autobiographical in nature. He really reveals a lot of himself. Uh, And in it, you see some things that are so relevant to our world today. Corinth was a tough place. This letter was probably written about a year or so after First Corinthians, about A.D. 57, 20, 22 years after the death and resurrection of Christ, somewhere around there. Corinth is a wealthy, uh, prosperous town. It's well-educated. It's a port city. It's a city of about 100,000. It's immoral. It's a tough place. And it's in this context that we see what... Paul face but I want to begin with this with people are going to attack you too How many of you are naive to believe that this will never happen to you? Let me tell you when I first started pastor and I was 23 and here's what I thought I love Jesus Everybody else is going to love Jesus and the church is going to be the safest nicest easiest environment No one will ever be unhappy in the church Two Sundays into being a pastor, I realized that was called what we used to have a show called Fantasy Island. How many of you remember that show? That's just not the truth. Folks, people attacked Jesus. Now, how many of you, do you think it's weird that people attack Jesus Christ? God, they attack, yeah. People attacked Paul. Now, folks, Paul was a human, but but how many of to you is Paul a hero? I mean, Paul... Who would attack the Apostle Paul? My goodness. Well, a lot of people did. And in Corinth, there was two particular groups that were hitting him hard. One was a group of, of local people. It was the vocal minority. A lot of times what you have when you have problems is you have a minority who are vocal while the good people sit on their hands and they don't want to get involved in the fight. But there was also a group of what we would say traveling evangelists, whether they were Christian Our Jewish people, they were kind of itinerant ministers who traveled around, and they were causing Paul a lot of grief too. Now, in verse 12 through 17 in chapter 1 is our primary text tonight. I'm going to read this. I bet you before this week I'd read this 70 times. I've never really understood it. In fact, I've kind of read over it, read it quickly, because it just didn't make a lot of sense. But it makes a lot of sense when I understood what was going on. Read this with me. Now, this is our boast. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relationships with you in the holiness and sincerity that are from God. We have, we have done so not according to worldly wisdom but according to God's grace. Do you see some tension here uh, in the text? For we did not write to you anything you could not read or understand. And and I hope that as you have understood us in part that you will come to understand fully that you can boast of us just as we will boast of you in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 15, because I was confident of this, I planned to visit you first so that you might benefit twice. I plan to visit you on my way to Macedonia and to come back to you from Macedonia. And then to, leave, to have you send me on my way to Judea. When I plan this, did I do it lightly? Or do I make plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say yes and yes and no and no? What was going on here? Well, it began with Paul's travel plans. I want to show you on a map kind of what Paul had planned to do. Paul was, Paul was here in Ephesus at one point. And Paul, what Paul was planning on doing originally was he was going to travel from Ephesus to Corinth. Macedonia, or Greece, excuse me, was divided into two areas during Paul's time. There was Asia, this was southern Greece. He was going to come to Corinth, then he was going to go up to Macedonia where Thessalonica Uh, We have the the letters to the Thessalonians and to Philippi, the letter to the uh, Philippians. He was going to come up there. Then he was going to come back down and go to Corinth. Then he was going to travel all the way back to Jerusalem down here with the offering that he had taken up in these areas for the poor and destitute Christians in Jerusalem. And several things happened that we don't really have time to go into that That thwarted Paul's plans. He did not get to do this, okay? And because he did not get to do this, here's what they begin to say uh, about him Paul's fickle, Paul's dishonest, Paul's unreliable, Paul's not a man of integrity. Then they begin to attack even deeper. Paul says one thing, but he really means another. Paul writes one thing, but there's some deeper hidden meaning under there. He doesn't really mean what he says on the surface. And then they take it to the lowest of levels. Then they begin to say, well, if Paul's a liar, if Paul's unreliable, if Paul's undependable, you know what he teaches us about God, that's a lie too. That's pretty serious stuff, isn't it? And this is the apostle Paul. This is just not some redneck Baptist preacher. This is the Apostle Paul. And I tell you this to tell you people are going to attack you too. Now, if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. What do you do to keep people from attacking you and criticizing you? Okay, you ready? You be nothing, you say nothing, and you do nothing. You go through life and you be a zero. If you don't want to be attacked... And who does? Say nothing, be nothing, do nothing. In other words, take your Christianity and bury it because you can't ever take a stand or be a real man or a woman. In other words, the only way to avoid being attacked by people is, just to, is, is to have no influence in this world at all. In fact, the greater influence you have for Christ, the more you will be attacked. Young people, are you hearing me on this? It's so important for you guys. You can coast. You can coast through junior high, high school, college. You can stay. You can not be a leader. You can not be a man. You can not stand up for Christ. A lot of adults don't. And and you can sit. In fact, you can be a criticizer. You can sit back and criticize those who are doing. Pick them off. Point out how they're doing wrong. But I don't think that's what you're here for tonight. Is to be that kind of a person. The bottom line: If you are going to be who God wants you to be, you're going to be criticized. Two preachers in the last twenty-five years who've been prominent in America. One is a guy named Bill Hybels, a pastor in Chicago, Illinois. Another is Rick Warren, who is a Southern Baptist in California. Rick Warren wrote the Purpose Driven Church, the Purpose Driven Life. A lot of us have uh, been through that book, read that book, folks. Those are two of the most criticized ministers in America today. And uh, you read what they write, if you do, and you listen to what they say, and you read their beliefs. They're orthodox Christians. But you know one reason they get attacked so much is because anytime you're trying to do something for God, you become a target. Fact of life that you need to get used to, people are going to attack you. Now, the question is, what do we do? I want to give you a few thoughts really maybe a question or two to ask when you're being attacked how do we handle it what is our checklist what do we go through to to see how to handle it here's the first thing have you really been doing what's right this is a big 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 important question when you're being attacked start with this fundamental premise have i am i a jerk who needs to be hanged from a high rafter should I be taken out before the firing squad and shot? Should I have my tongue removed by a hot poker? And sometimes the answer to that is absolutely yes. Symbolically, of course, I'm speaking. In other words, am I, in what I'm being accused of by my family, by my friends, by my past friends, by my enemies, is it true? Is it right? Several years ago in Jacksonville, Florida... A mess happened around the First Baptist Church there in Jacksonville, which is a huge church. A church member in 2007 became disgruntled, and so he began an anonymous blog. How many of you know what a blog is? If you don't know, it is basically an Internet opinion piece, and you can hide on that, and nobody can know who you are. This courageous soldier for Jesus... Started an anonymous blog in 2007 criticizing his pastor. They got a new pastor at the time, Criticizing his preaching, criticized the church, criticized the church's direction, how they spent the money and where they were going. And it went on for several years. And the church did an interesting thing. They hired a private investigator. They went through legal processes. And you know what? They found out the man's name was Tom Rich, a person who was coming and sitting in their church every week. And you know what they did? They confronted him. And when he didn't repent, you know what they did? They removed him from their church. You know what they should have done? Exactly what they did. And he didn't like it at all. He felt like he was being mistreated. He was being treated wrong. So he sued him, took him to court. And thank God the judge threw it out. And this man felt like he had been mistreated and maligned because someone had found out who he was and then they had biblically removed him from the church. I tell you that story to say this. He got what he needed. Uh, this is chasing a rabbit. But if you're a Christian, don't you ever attack someone anonymously. Don't you ever do that. There is zero justification. As a Christian, the Bible says if you've got a problem with somebody, you need to talk to them. You don't get online and say, I'm Norman R. from Ruston unless you're Norman R. from Ruston. You don't hide behind someone else's name or be an anonymous person. God's not in that at all. And and if I was talking to that man tonight, I would have to tell him, buddy, honestly, you didn't get mistreated. You got what you had coming to you. I think Paul went through this same process. I think Paul asked himself, have I handled this right and these people right? Look in verse 12 what Paul says. This is my boast. And I believe this is after he had done a lot of soul searching. Our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world and especially in our relationship with you in holiness and sincerity. We have not behaved according to worldly wisdom but according to God's grace. The word conscious is an interesting English word. It comes from two different Latin words which literally mean to know with. The conscious is a part of our facility when you're healthy that you can distinguish between right and wrong. And in other words, Paul was basically saying, I, I know within myself as I look at what is right and what is wrong. Here's what Paul was saying. You Corinthians have leveled some hard charges at me. Folks, anytime you question someone's integrity, you call them a liar, you say they're teaching or preaching something that's wrong or false, you are, you're calling them on the card. Here's what Paul said. I look deep within. I look deep within my heart. And I haven't been doing what's wrong. That's a great starting place for you and me. Now, in Paul's life, there were times when Paul could go back and he could look and say, You know what? I was wrong. And I had done wrong. I think he did wrong when his uh, handling with the John Mark situation at another point in his ministry. But here's what I want to encourage us to do what Paul did here look within and look up to see. The validation of what's being said to you, whether it's by your husband or your wife, by your enemy, or by your friends. How many of you have ever heard the old saying, there's a kernel of truth in all criticism? How many of you have heard that? The Greek word for that is baloney. Listen. Paul didn't didn't come back and say, oh, you're right. There is a little kernel of truth in what you're saying. I am a little bit of a liar. I'm a little bit of a manipulator. I stretch the truth. You know what Paul said? Paul said, look, buddy, I've dug deep within, and and, and I'm not perfect, but you're wrong on these charges. How do you look within? One, it starts with the Bible, guys. Your conscience is not a good enough place to rest truth on. You start with the Word of God. Someone comes to you. They accuse you of things. You're having problems with something. Examine yourself by the Bible. Am I living true to it the best I can? Am I doing what the Bible would say that I should do? God never speaks against His Word. Amen? Never will. The Holy Spirit's never going to lead you to do something that's against the Bible because the Holy Spirit wrote the Bible. Is my life measuring up to the Bible? And then, and then there's issues where the Bible doesn't give specifics. So you have to look within and go, have I been who I should be? Colossians 3.15 is a great verse. Colossians 3.15, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. The word... Peace there in rule, the the word rule literally is is the word umpire. It's the Holy Spirit's peace being the umpire, being the official in your heart. Folks, in all your decisions, but we're talking about tonight, when you're trying to evaluate whether you have been in the wrong or not, you judge yourself by the Word of God, and then you get really honest with yourself. And you say, Holy Spirit, show me where I've been wrong. Holy Spirit, show me where I need to get something right. Holy Spirit, show me where I've stepped over the boundaries or I haven't done what I should. Now, now guys, listen to me on this. The Holy Spirit's not going to speak to you if you're not going to listen. If you've already got a, made up your mind what the Holy Spirit's going to say to you, why do you think he's going to waste his breath? He's going he's to speak to someone who will hear him. And I believe he's going to speak to someone who will act on what they hear. A great checkpoint to begin with is this. Have I really been doing what's right? Paul can look at the Corinthians not as a perfect person, but as a godly man and say, you know what, I believe uh, believe as I flesh this out with the Bible, I believe as I flesh this out in my heart with the Holy Spirit, I have not done you wrong. Can you look at people tonight and honestly say, The Holy Spirit is my witness. The Word of God is my standard. I'm imperfect, but I have not lied to you. I have not mistreated you. I have not tried to harm you. Boy, that's a great standard, isn't it? If we fail that test, then we go back and we correct where we have failed. That's the starting point. Have I been handling things right. And next let's look at this. Let's look at how do we treat people right? How, what, are, what are some of the things we do? We we begin with knowing that we'll be attacked. Then we, we go, have I been handling it right? And then then we look at some things Paul's gonna lay about how do we treat people right. When you're mistreated, do you ever have some thoughts about how you'd like to treat people? I say again, do you ever have those thoughts? Yes, ma'am. We had some ladies in the back raising their hands with smiles on their faces. Yes, you do. You do. Nobody. How many of you like to be lied about? You like to be lied about? Slandered? That's fun, isn't it? Character assassinated? Of course you don't. There was a small country church, and the, the, the church gossip. We don't have one of those here. Uh, we really don't. The church gossip was a lady named Mildred. And Mildred always liked to stir it up. And she was, she was older, she was single, and she had a lot of time on her hands. She could still drive. That's a bad combination. And so Mildred would ride around town just looking in this little town for problems. And one night she saw a man named George's truck, member of the church, parked in front of a bar. What she didn't know George's car had broke down that afternoon and he'd had to leave it there. She drove by that bar for 5 hours. George's car was in front truck was in front of that bar. She got to church Sunday she could not wait. George is a drunk. George was at that bar for 5 hours. Every time I went by that bar his car was there. George heard about it. Didn't say a word. That night he after dark he drove over to Mildred's house, parked his truck right in front of her house and walked home. <laughs> That's how you'd like to treat people, amen? That's, that's a Christian punch right there because that, you know, wasn't mean. It was just, just kind of jabbing her. Let me give you some better ways. Number one, number one, prayerfully. Okay, you've heard this before, but you don't do it. We don't do it very much. Matthew five forty four. But I tell you, love your enemies, and you hit them as hard as you can right in the... Ki- no. Pray... For those who try to destroy you. If you read Paul's letters, here's one thing you see over and over and over. Paul says, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you, I'm praying for you. A checklist with people problems is you're praying for yourself. You pray for that situation. You pray for that person. Folks, people attack people consistently because they got a heart problem. They need to be saved or they need to get right with God. Or they need a better psychiatrist. Pray for one of those three things to happen. How do you, your checklist, it begins with, am I doing what I should be? Prayerfully, number, number two or three, depending on how you're counting these, lovingly. You treat people with love. It's interesting that 1 Corinthians 16 ends with this little verse, do everything in love. Now, folks, love is not weak. Love doesn't mean that you're a doormat. Love just means that you're going to treat people in a kind and nice way. You can fire people with a smile on your face, correct? Sometimes you have to. You can tell people you can't come back to our church anymore, and you can be real nice. You can tell people you can't come over and play with my kids anymore. I love you, and I'm going to pray for you. But until that demon gets exercised, you don't need to be back in our neighborhood, Love people. <laughs> Love people and treat them kindly. That's a checklist there. Love them. Now, here's a third thing he says, and it's very interesting. You handle the situation with holiness. With holiness, again, look in verse 12. Our conscience testifies, within us we know we have conducted ourselves in the world and with you in the holiness and sincerity that are from God. The word holy there means separate. It means pure. It means different. It means righteous. And righteous is a big word that means to handle things the right way, God's way. Here's what Paul said. Paul said, look, you people have been mean to me. You have been difficult But I can honestly say I have in the past. I'm going to the future. I've treated you with holiness. I've treated you differently than you've treated me. Holy is different in a positive way, not in a weird way. I'm I'm not going to treat you as you deserve. I'm not going to treat you as you've treated me. I'm not going to treat you as the world would treat you. I'm going to treat you with holiness in a different and righteous way. When you're dealing with people that are difficult, prayer, love, love. And holiness, you play by different rules because you're a child of God. Treat them with holiness. Here's the fourth thing he says, with sincerity and honesty. The last part of verse 12, with holiness and sincerity that are from God, we have done so not according to worldly wisdom but according to God's grace. Now look in verse 17. When I plan to come to you, did I do it lightly or did I make plans in a worldly manner so that in the same breath I say yes, yes, and no, no. Paul, listen, Paul told these people, Paul knew this, I have never been devious, I have never been duplicitous with you, I have never lied to you intentionally or unintentionally. Paul could say that and that's how Paul treated people, guys, You know what's desperately needed in our world today is to treat people with sincerity and honesty. I was listening to a popular radio uh, political guy the other day, and he made a comment in passing. He said, he uh, was talking about some politician in Washington. He said, well, all politicians are hypocrites, and I've just come to accept that that is a fact, and he moved on. And I thought, whoa. About eight things in that comment that bothered me. Number one, not all politicians are hypocrites. Number two, do you ever need to be comfortable with hypocrisy? All church members are hypocrites. We've just come to live with that. All pastors are hypocrites. Are you, would you ever be comfortable with that? The Greek word hypocrite was actually a good word 2,000 years ago. It meant a actor. A hypocrite was an actor. They wore a mask. But when you left the theater and you come into the real world, you can see that's not a good thing. You don't want people wearing masks with you, do you? You don't want people being one thing to your face and another person behind your back. Folks, be honest in how you deal with people. Be sincere. Be true. Don't be one person with this friend and another person with that friend. One person behind their back. One person when they're in the room. Be sincere. Dishonesty will always get you in trouble, won't it? Young people, there were there were some college students. Four college students that had an exam on Friday. They decided they decided on Thursday night that they were going to go. Uh, to Chicago. They lived in the Midwest. It was about a four hour drive. They said we can get to Chicago. We can get back in time for our test the next day. But a lot of times what happens with those kind of road trips is you get in Chicago and it's a lot of fun, correct? So they said well when they got to Chicago, we'll skip the exam and then we'll come up with an excuse to tell the teacher on Monday. So they, they got back on Monday, and they said, well, here's what we're going to tell the teacher. We were on our way back, and we had a flat tire. Can we take the makeup test? Because if they couldn't, they would get a zero. So the teacher thought about it for a moment, said, okay, that'd be fine. I'm going to put you in four separate rooms. I'm going to give you one question. That's the makeup test. And it's either pass, fail. So they got in there. This is great. They're all in the separate room, and here was the question. Which tire was the flat tire? <laughs> And if you don't get that, I'll see you after church and explain it to you. When you don't behave with integrity, eventually you will will crumble. Handle people sincerely. Here's the last thing. With clarity. This is very important. Paul was accused of being ambiguous. He He was accused of being... Not clear in what he wrote and what he said in verse 13. For we do not write you anything you can't read and understand. As you have understood us in part, you can understand us fully. Now, if you read some of the things God wrote through Paul, theologically, it's hard to understand. Dive into Romans 9, 10, 11 tonight. It's hard to understand. But when Paul writes... Ethically and morally, morally, how we relate to God, ethically, how we relate to each other, it's always crystal clear. How many of you would agree a lot of problems happen in relationships because we misunderstandings? I want to read to you something. I don't know if this is true or not. We'll assume that it is. But down in South Louisiana, uh, Reverend Boudreaux was a part-time pastor at the local Cajun First Baptist Church and Pastor Thibodeau was the minister of the Covenant Church across the road. They were both standing by the road, pounding a sign into the ground that read, The end is near. Turn yourself around now, afore it be too late. They pounded in the ground, they stepped back. After they did, a car comes by very slowly. A driver leans out after reading the signs and screams, You bunch of religious nuts. Then the car peels out, goes around a curve, They hear screeching tires and a big splash. Boudreaux turns to Thibodeau and asks, do you think the sign should just say bridge out? (laughs) Someone told me, and I think this is a great piece of advice, especially when the temperature gets heated in a room. As a Christian, seek to do two things. Be very kind and very clear. In other words, don't don't leave things confusing. If something needs to be said that's hard, say it with clarity. But the thing that makes a Christian different is they say it with kindness too. Kindness and clarity. Folks, it's not a matter of whether we're going to have people issues. It's a matter of how we handle them. So I want to throw it to you tonight and challenge you as we look at what God gave us, how Paul handled it. I want to challenge you to do this in your life. The more you lead, the more you influence, the more you step out and be who God wants you to be, you're going to be attacked. Handling it well is going to make a big difference in your effectiveness in life. First thing, if you're not a Christian this evening, one of the reasons you may not handle things well is the Holy Spirit doesn't live in you. Come tonight and give your life to Christ when we stand. Come and give your life to Christ. You're looking for a church home, come and join our church family tonight. But how about this? Every one of us who are Christians, whether it's at the altar or praying with the minister or where you're standing, how about let's do some repenting tonight? Let's repent of how we've mistreated people. Let's, let's repent when we've been on the current towards Paul, towards people. Let's repent of that. Let's repent of how when we've been in Paul's shoes, when we haven't handled it right. And let's make a choice to handle it God's way in the future. Let's stand. And as the Lord leads you, we'll be waiting on you. You respond to us.